Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So it's glad, I'm glad to be back. Uh, it's actually been almost six weeks, I think, since I was here last. Um, it's been bouncing here and there and all to and fro, and uh, just got back from a week of... Uh, a conference in Toronto, the Partners in Harvest Annual International Conference, and it was really powerful. Actually, it was uh, our largest uh, conference to date. That's not on the first slide. I'm not sure why. Um, <clears throat> should be on the title slide. And uh, uh, it was a, w- a wonderful time to reconnect with uh, leaders from all over the world. And when you come and be part of, part, uh, of New Day, you're actually part of a network that literally spans the globe. There's friends there from uh, uh, Norway, uh, from Sweden, from many countries in Africa. Um, You've probably seen on Facebook, Andrew Brunson's, uh, he's in jail in Turkey. uh, And uh, President Trump, uh, when he met with Aragon, president of uh, Turkey, actually brought up Andrew's, uh, who's a friend of mine, personal friend, Andrew's name three different times in the meeting. Yeah, Trump brought it up, Pence brought it up, and then Trump brought it up again. So we're believing for Andrew to get set free. Been in prison since uh, uh, September of last year, and and simply for serving Jesus. So it was a powerful um, uh, time together, uh, and uh, had about 10 folks from Kalamazoo there, so from uh, New Day. there, so it was really good. Uh, but it's good to be back home, and we want to continue. Uh, this message today is actually the introduction <laughs> to the Upward Journey. Uh, it's part of a year-long series where it t- took the first uh, four months and talked about the Inward Journey, which is really about sanctification and getting the, the principles, the truths of God's Word and, and the Gospel into us inward, <clears throat> and we're all on a pa- uh, journey to, to become transformed inwardly. So we, we discussed a lot of issues along those lines. And in uh, this trimester, this middle section of the year, we're talking about the upward journey. And I shared this the first Sunday of the month in Vandalia, and then I was gone last Sunday. So um, um, when we rotate speakers, sometimes the introduction doesn't come at the beginning. <laughs> but it's all good, right? Say it's all good. <clears throat> all right, so um, the upward journey is really just about getting to know God better, uh, advancing toward Him and, and growing in your relationship with God. And uh, the Bible speaks of this very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18. It says, so all of us who have had that veil removed, okay, and so the context here of the veil, the veil that he's referring to, is the veil that the Jewish people have covering their eyes. And uh, of course, he was speaking about Jewish people who knew God's word. I mean, my goodness, the Jewish uh, rabbis memorized uh, the, the, the old, much of the Old Testament, certainly the first uh, five books of the Old Testament. They didn't know it by memory, but they couldn't see the full meaning of it. And so it was, he was using this imagery that they had a veil in front of their eyes. But when we come to the Lord, that veil is removed. And so we, having the veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. All right, so how many want to be more and more like Him? 
Right? That's the upward journey. And according to this verse, it happens simply by seeing and reflecting Him. Isn't that amazing? Simply by getting to know God better, seeing God more clearly, more fully, something in that, when we see and reflect, it actually changes us. When we, we behold, we are transformed. All right, and so the upward journey is getting closer to God so you can see Him better and see Him broader, the bigger, a bigger scope of Him, but also more uh, higher resolution. How about that? We're going to turn up the resolution of our understanding so that we can reflect Him better, but also in that process we become like Him. All right, so looking at the attributes of God is all part of spiritual growth because as we get to know Him, we become like Him, <clears throat> and it, it happens. But today, we're going to be talking, as a kind of introduction, I'm just going to be talking about the pursuit of this upward call, the, the invitation to it. And uh, before we do that, I want to talk about the idea of a goal. All right? uh, a clearly defined goal enables a person to develop disciplines that will achieve a goal. All right? It's very important. Important and, and ultimately leads to the, our goals, the upward call. But we need to have clearly defined goals. Without clearly defined goals or having fuzzy goals, it, it results in a lack of discipline and ultimately frustration and failure, which is not good. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to be frustrated. And uh, usually that's the result of a poorly defined goal or the absence of a, of a goal. And a few years ago, I had, I had a goal. This is about 10, 12 years ago. <clears throat> I, um, should, you know, how many can recognize that geographic formation? <laughs> it's our state. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> I've talked about this before. Many of you know this. Some of this may be new to you. But I had ridden from Kalamazoo to the Upper Peninsula, to, to Mackinac and a little bit into the UP, uh, when I was about 20 with a friend. And in my mid-40s, I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could do that again. And so, uh, on a bicycle, yeah, not in a car, or a motorcycle, uh, which all are fun, but a bicycle, it's a little different. <laughs> and so what I did <clears throat> was I uh, planned out a route, and this was my route. And I did it a little different than the first time. The first time, I, I kind of took a shorter route. But this time, I took the, the road closest to the lake, the entire a circumference of the lower peninsula and I mapped this out and I actually uh, printed it page by page and pasted it on the wall so the the uh, first thing I saw every day when I got up was this this route and uh, and the last thing I saw before I went to bed was this route and I would envision different roads and I would zoom in and, and make sure I was getting the right road and you know not on a dead-end road but a road that <laughs> did the whole uh, thing as close as I could to the lake shore and, and so through that winter, so I came up with the idea in the, in the fall, mapped it out, and through the winter, when you can't ride a bicycle outside here in Michigan, I can, it motivated me, this goal motivated me to still ride my bike on a trainer. Hey, how you doing? Austin's back from, from Bethel. <laughs> I could see it. He was in uh, Bethel, California, for uh, the last few months at the school. <clears throat> All right. It's funny. I was with Steve Backlin two yeah. weeks ago, and I was with, uh, sorry, diversion here. 
I was with uh, Michael uh, Brodeur all last week. Yeah, like every day. Uh, and so I'm, I'm getting uh, uh, Bethled, yeah. <laughs> Both of those guys teach at the school that uh, Austin just uh, returned from. So where was I? I was mapping out my route. <clears throat> okay, this gave me, this goal motivated me to uh, continue uh, training throughout the winter and, and, and exercising and keeping in shape because you got to do this early. You can't slack off all winter and, and expect to get on a bike and ride 100 miles a day. Uh, and so this motivated me. And sure enough, it was actually, I think I left on the 20th of May. It was the later, late of May in that year. And I rode from Kalamazoo to Holland. And uh, I actually ended up having to do it in three different stages. I rode all the way to Alpena, the first uh, stage. And then uh, later, uh, went back from Alpena and rode to, to Port Huron. <clears throat> That's a beautiful ride, by the way, except for Bay City. <laughs> and I thought, well, I got to finish it. So I rode down to Michigan City and rode up uh, to the connector point. And so I've ridden the entire coastline. And it was great. Uh, and um, um, I loved it. It, 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 it. I have a lot of stories about the, the trip. I did it in 10 days. It's just under 1,000 miles. Um, and um, yeah, you ought to do it sometime. <laughs> so it was great, and it's been uh, great for uh, sermon illustrations. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's your goal? I can write it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad that one's done. <laughs> what's your goal? Most people live without it. Most Christians don't have spiritual goals. Uh, and you need your goal to be defined enough so that you can give a clear answer. So if someone were to come up and say, you know, you know, what, what's your goal for the next three months spiritually in, in your walk with the Lord? Where do you want to be a year from now? Is there something that you would like to see changed? How about five years from now? What are you hoping to have accomplished in, in the area of spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, your walk with the Lord? You know, what are you setting as a goal? Is it clear enough? Is it defined enough that it will actually motivate you to do the disciplines to get there? It's really, really important because uh, clearly defined, um, uh, realistic goals lead to motivation. And if you're discouraged, <clears throat> it's possible in something, in something you're pursuing, it's possible that the goal is actually not realistic. <clears throat> uh, I think that a good, healthy, realistic uh, God-inspired goal, whether it be uh, something in line with, you know, well, I'm going to read through the Bible. Maybe you've never read through the entire Bible. And that's, uh, you know, that's difficult. Some parts of the Bible are confusing. Some parts of the Bible are, are boring, <laughs> even for me. <laughs> and you know what's really hard? When you've read the Bible countless times, I, I don't even know how many times I've read through this Bible. There's not a single page or word I haven't read multiple, multiple times. So it's like reading through the Bible again. There's another challenge there, isn't there? You know? <clears throat> and so, but good goals produce discipline. Just like that goal of that bicycle ride produced the disciplines in me. And so goals that don't produce disciplines may be just a fantasy. Well, I'd like to do that someday, but you're never going to get around to it. And fantasies just produce frustrations because they're un unobtainable. Listen, changing your goal sometimes is the, is the key. Because a good goal uh, uh, will produce discipline. Change your goals and your disciplines will improve. Don't just try harder. Are you hearing me? Yeah. All right? Trying harder usually doesn't work. If you're not disciplined and moving toward a goal, maybe the reason is that it's a bad goal or it's not a clearly defined goal. 
and revisit your goal and a a healthy God-inspired goal will produce the motivation to do the disciplines. But disciplines in and of itself are not the goal. Even though some people seem to teach that or believe it. It's like reading your Bible every day. That's not a good goal. It's a good discipline, but it's not a good goal. Ooh. <laughs> Compared to, uh, it's just like dieting. Uh, Steve uh, Backlund actually was here, it was a teacher at Bethel, and he, he said something just in passing. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he, he mentioned his, his, uh, his plan for, um, for uh, fitness, endurance, and longevity, something like that. And he just said it in passing, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Long, longevity is the word that keyed into me. And he was talking about you know, being healthy for the long run so that he can be productive uh, in his later years of life. Well, that's a lot better goal than just saying, I want to diet and exercise. All right? Diet and exercise isn't a motivation. It's a discipline. Okay? And now, the motivation of longevity and being healthy in the long term, being able to be productive late in life, well, that's a goal. You know? So why do I exercise? So, so that 10 years from now, I can still be preaching and teaching and you know, taking my grandkids to the beach or, or wherever, right? That's, that's a better goal, because <clears throat> it produces, uh, 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 produces a, a motivation to do the discipline. And the disciplines themselves can actually become a trap or an idol, all right? You know, <clears throat> going to the gym is good. I don't go to the gym just to go to the gym. I don't even really like going to the gym, all right? But I, I occasionally do it. <laughs> I try to do it. I exercise, uh, um, <clears throat> but not for the sake of exercise. Now, some people do it for the sake of exercise. This one guy, <clears throat> maybe he'll come to church, and then I won't be able to use this illustration anymore. But <laughs> this dude is like the biggest dude in the gym. He, he is like, like, just so he's he's not ripped in the sense of a like a bodybuilder but he's just huge uh all of his muscles are big (laughs) i just noticed about him a lot of times he's there all the time and one time he was in the locker room same time i was and i was like dude man you just how do you do that and and i was trying to talk with him a little bit and getting to know him and uh he said uh uh I said, hey, uh, my name is Cameron. What's your name? And his name was Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Crack me up. (laughs) He's in the gym every day. And his name is Jim. I was like, you were born to this, man. You were born to be big. (laughs) So, man, you know, but we don't want to just go into the gym or we don't want the disciplines to become an idol. Uh, same thing with Bible reading or prayer, uh, fellowship, fasting, all of these things, they're not goals. Uh, we fail at disciplines because we make the discipline the goal and it becomes an idol, and that's actually counterproductive. Disciplines simply are a tool that should facilitate our journey, all right? And so if you're exercising to get more fit so you can, you can do something, you can climb a mountain, ride, be going on a bicycle ride, or just be fit and healthy for a longer time, that's a proper goal. If you read the Bible so you can know God better, if you pray so you can hear God's voice and, and speak his word better, all of those things are good. Paul talks about this idea 
when he is writing a letter <coughs> to the church in Philippi, remember that Paul is sitting in jail and he has a death sentence. At any moment, the guards could be uh, heard walking down the corridor to his jail cell and open up the door and pull him out and drag him out and behead him. Uh, and he's writing these letters not knowing if this is the last day or last hour. And so as we read this, keep that in mind that he's expressing some of his deepest heartfelt uh, concerns uh, to the church. And this is what he says in, in the middle of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says, What things were gain to me, the things that he thought were wins, successes, helpful, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for Christ, lost for Christ. I'm sorry, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, through whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. All right, Paul realized that all the things he had previously thought were successes in life, were advantageous, were helpful, all of those things actually were <laughs> fails. Right? And, you know, they weren't a win. They were a, a, a loss. And he wasn't moving forward. Those things were actually keeping him uh, held back. Everything that he had put his hope in, such as keeping the law. You know, Paul was a, a Pharisee, one of the strictest sects of uh, the Hebrew religion, the Jewish religion, <clears throat> and he was a scholar. And he actually says, according to the law, he was blameless. That means that he did not knowingly break any of the commands of the Old Testament. He was courageous enough not only to say it, but to put, put it in writing. Uh, it doesn't mean he was without sin, because everyone was born in sin, and I'm sure he had, uh, 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 you know, in fact, <laughs> by doing it out of his own might, and doing it uh, with the motivation that he had, even that, this is what he's saying, those things were actually lost. Those, those were not gaining him anything. They were actually taking, getting him further away. It was like he was running toward the wrong goal post. You ever see those uh, clips from a, a football game where somebody intercepts, and then they start running toward the wrong goal post, and everybody's screaming, no, no, don't, stop, turn around. All right? And so many people, they're running toward the wrong goal post. And so having the right goal, boy, that's pretty important. Paul realized that all of those things that he was counting on actually were worthless. They weren't helping him in the long run. They were rubbish or sewage. And he was given a new goal. <sighs> that's not my goal. Christ is my goal. And it radically transformed his life. He <clears throat> says that I may gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. That's what he was doing. <clears throat> Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. That's what he's now doing. All right? For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Radically transformation, transforming Paul's understanding, and it should, and it must transform our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to get closer to God. Paul realized that gaining Christ and becoming one with him was the only true way 
to be in right standing before God, to be accepted, to be able to come before him, to become one with him. Let's just, just think about those words. You need, you need, Paul needed, we need, you need, I need to become one, one with Christ. Can you think of any other time in Scripture with this image of two separate individuals becoming one is used? Very good. Marriage. And guess what? In Ephesians, it actually says marriage is an illustration that teaches us about our relationship with Christ. And so the whole institution, uh, relationship of marriage, God instituted to be like a line drawing to, to, to kind of pencil in an idea of, what we're, of the relationship that we need to have with Jesus Christ. But it's an incomplete, you know, it's just an illustration. And so even, even the best, most of us have a hard time experiencing even a healthy uh, uh, experience of marriage. Some of us have had terrible experiences of marriage or, or have known people that have had devastating marriages. And so uh, even the ideal expression of marriage, if you can think of the most uh, happily married people you have ever met, that's only a line drawing. That's only a, a, a basic illustration of the reality that we, of the type of relationship we're supposed to have with Christ. The relationship that gets us in. Into heaven, if that's what you need to understand. And yes, it does mean into heaven. But ultimately, it means into God, into Christ, into an eternal relationship with a loving, uh, 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 life-giving savior and father uh, that will uh, you will spend eternity with how do you get in it's not on my righteousness paul realized that he couldn't follow all the rules if he followed all the rules he'd still get to the door and the door would be locked because following all the rules in his own righteousness wasn't the way to get in the only way to get in is to be one with christ because christ is the one who is righteous okay and christ took the penalty of everyone's sin upon himself and he paid that price and so he has the right to enter in so how do we get in we get in by being arm in arm with him to be being joined with him in a spiritual union to the point where the scripture defines it as being one all right that's a journey how many are there yet all right i'm not all the way there yet but that's how we get in. This can only be accomplished through faith. If you're here and you've never experienced that level of faith, that you've never understood it this way, you've always thought Christianity was just following the rules, being, you know, not doing this and doing this, so that you, when you die, you go to heaven. Listen, that is, you're, you're, that is just, that's just a paper-thin Im imitation of the fullness of what God wants. Uh, living as a Christ follower is being joined with him it, it is a relationship that's more intimate than marriage because it will last an eternity and it can only be accomplished by uh, faith doesn't come through understanding all right it comes through believing <clears throat> and this revolutionized Paul's journey changed everything he did and it needs to revolutionize our own as well continuing on in verse 12 it says now not that I have already attained <clears throat> or I'm already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. 
Think about this. Paul had been preaching for decades at this point. He had probably been a Christian for 30 to 50 years. He'd planted countless churches. He'd raised people from the dead. He'd he prayed for people who had been healed. He'd seen revival. He'd written uh, books of the Bible. Uh, he ended up writes, writing about half of the New Testament. <clears throat> and at this point, he says, you know what, guys? I'm not there yet. If anyone could have said, hey, I'm, I'm well on my way, Paul was like, man, I'm not even there yet. How much more do we have to realize, okay, I'm saved, but I'm not there yet. Right? This is a big part of the upward journey, is understanding I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm just planning it out, all right? We need to aspire for more. And that's what this talk is really about. We need to press on. Paul pressed on. This means to pursue, to run after, to seek eagerly. Oh, it could be translated all of that. All right, this is not something passive. It's active. It's passionate. It's a pursuit. All right, if you describe your Christian life, like, oh, what's your Christian life? Oh, I just, it's like walking through a garden. I like smelling the, the fragrance of God. And, oh, it's just so pleasant, and, you know. Or it's like walking through a forest. And I, I can hear the birds cheat. You know, it's, it's great. It's laying down beside still waters. That's scriptural. And that's good. That's a part of it. But you know what? It's just a part of it. Your pursuit of God needs to be passionate. All right? Pressing, pushing, passionate. All right? Stirred up. Man, you're not going to let anything get in your way. You're willing to cast off everything. That's what Paul said. I, I'm just, everything, everything else is just rubbish compared to this, the pursuit of God. You know? And I'm not going to settle for anything less. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, all right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> got it? <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> Paul was driving the lay hold. I love this phrase, the lay hold. God had grabbed hold of him. And you may remember the story. God actually, he was out persecuting the church. And, and God knocked him off his horse literally and blinded him for several days until he came to the realization that Jesus Christ was Lord. And from this one commentary, it says, his conversion was the beginning, not the end of the chase. The beginning. And so much of the time in Christianity and in the minds of Christians, they think, well, I just need to believe Jesus. That's the start, guys. That's not the end. Once you get to that place, then you have a lifetime of pursuit. All right? There's so much more. <clears throat> Uh, you may use the same disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, but those disciplines now have the right goal, all right? You're not just pedaling the bicycle. You're riding the coastline of the lower peninsula. You're not just lifting weights. You're, you're building your body to last a lifetime. <clears throat> all right, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and then he lists two things. He's a good preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. All right, so there's a two-step process here, forgetting. Uh, you know, uh, the way I see this is there's no arrogance, there's no pride in forgetting. This is not like this is my big achievement. In fact, what I do is everything that happened in the past it's done. 
I liked how you did it. You're forgiven? Now move on. <laughs> All right, that lined up so well. It's letting go both of the bad and the good. You know, I'm, I'm glad we had a great celebration up in Toronto. It's been 25 years of revival. But we didn't just sit around talking about what happened 25 years ago. Amen. You know, praise God something happened 25 years ago. But my goodness, I want something to be happening now and tomorrow and next year. And are we lined up for that? All right. And so all of that stuff uh, in the past, it's in the past. All right. If it's good, we can bless it and be happy for it. If it was bad, we can let it go. We're not possessed or obsessed or held back by stuff from our past. Listen, your future is not determined by your past. Your present is, has been determined by what happened to you in the past. But your future is determined by how you respond in the present, in the now. Okay? So whatever's happened to you has brought you to this place, and now you get to choose. And all the resources of heaven are available to you to make the rest of your life incredible. God wants you to be incredible. He wants you to do grand things. Every Christian is called to be a world changer, to come, about, come to Him, to use His resources, to transform our generation. Listen, guys, there's hundreds of thousands of people within reach that have never even heard the message of, God, of grace, never heard what Jesus did. And there's billions of people on planet Earth that have never heard. And you know what? We get one lifetime to go, out, to go for it, all right? Don't be held back by what happened to you in the past. Receive the forgiveness, celebrate the good things, but get your focus on pursuit of what God is doing and what God's going to do. And then reaching, and that's the next aspect. You stretch forward. Everybody stretch. Come on, we've been sitting for a while. Stretch. Oh, it doesn't feel good. Feels good to stretch. Stretching into time. Stretching forward into time. That's what the word means. <clears throat> I'm reaching forward. What's next, God? What's next? What's next? Grabbing hold of it by faith and pulling yourself into the future. Shaba. Right? Or place. Where, where next, Lord? Where next? Where next? Where next? Where, sh where can we influence next? Where can we plant the next church, God? Where can we plant a congregation that, that gives the life-giving message? When, Lord, when, when can I see this next thing transformed in my life? This is the upward call. This is the upward journey of pursuing God in His fullness and being all that God wants you to be. It's yearning, it's striving, it's pressing toward more and toward what's next. Oops. How are you stretching into more? Uh, I don't know. Probably not a good answer. <laughs> I just want to, you know, I just want to watch that next uh, episode of, uh, I don't even know what's popular now. <laughs> I can't wait till the next Avenger movie comes out. <laughs> That's a pastime, folks. That's not a goal. All right. That's a pastime, not a goal. Pursue worthy goals. 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He keeps pounding this, doesn't he? I mean, it's not that I'm repeating myself. I'm repeating myself because the scripture is repeating the same idea. Pushing, pressing, pursuing. Um, <clears throat> it clearly defines the goal here is that upward call from which we get this idea of the upward journey. <clears throat> Uh, he's, he's restating it for emphasis. Listen, we have, uh, uh, we need to push. We need to go toward the goal. And this prize isn't something that can be obtained materially. Right? It's not just a bigger house, bigger car. It's not financial stability. It's not happiness. All right? Too many Christians think, you know, uh, the goal is happiness. Listen, Andrew Brunson served Jesus with his whole heart, moved his family to Turkey, which is a, 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 like, uh, one of the least Christian nations. I think there's only 5,000 confessed believers in the entire nation. of uh, I forget how many million live there. 30, you know, seven, 12 million live just in Istanbul. All right? <clears throat> uh, and so uh, I think it's 100 million or something like that. And he's lived, served there for 20, over 20 years, raised his kids. Now he's sitting in prison in a Turkish prison with 18 other guys in a, in, a, in a room built for 12. And they're all Muslim and think he's untouchable because he's a heathen. He's probably not real happy. Right? So happiness is good, but that's not the end goal. Right? And if we, if we keep focused on the end goal, we will be happy for eternity. And his presence is full of joy. Right? And pleasures forevermore. But we're on a we're on a journey, and sometimes the journey is hard. <clears throat> the upward call is an invitation, which must be accepted. And so a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I was in a meeting, and, and this young woman came in and gave me this beautiful blue envelope. Isn't that pretty? It had a nice silver ribbon on it, and it had my name, Cameron Wright, written on it. All right. I, well, I thank you. And so I open it up. <clears throat> And look at this. Look at this really nicely drawn map. Kind of looks uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> the celebration, the ceremony, and how to get between. And uh, <clears throat> a nice card and a bigger map of the whole region. And so I am invited to a wedding. I have received the invitation. All right. Is this it? What do I have to do? I have to go to it. I have to accept it. I took the envelope from her. The problem is, is that this wedding is in Kiev, Ukraine. <laughs> which is like on the other side of the planet. And they're having a war. <laughs> really, it's a full-on war. They don't show it on TV. But I saw, I saw some clips of the war front in Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia. We're talking tanks, missiles. It was crazy. The wedding's a little bit away from the, the war. <laughs> and so, you know what? <clears throat> it would cost me a couple thousand dollars to go to this wedding. And it would cost me about, really, a week. Five to seven days, because it's too far to go and come back the next day. All right? And so I can't afford the time, primarily, because I'm like, already, when she gave it to me, I was like, I'd already decided I'm not going because I've traveled too much this year. And she said, my father really wants you there. <laughs> and I know her father. Her father's a friend of mine. 
And so I felt really bad. And so I reconsidered and I checked the airfare and I just recently decided, no, can't do it. Um, <clears throat> so guess what? This invitation is still valid. It's waiting for me, but I'm not going to that wedding. And that's how a lot of people respond to Jesus. It's nice and pretty. Boy, isn't that nice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in them should not perish but have everlasting life. Hmm. Okay. Let's just file that away. I can't afford it. I don't have the time. Don't do that to the invitation to the marriage of the Lamb. All right? That's the upward journey. Sell all to go. Do whatever you have to do to pursue. And don't give up. <clears throat> it's a call into his presence. It was a consuming passion for Paul, and it, need to be, it needs to be that for us as well. And we need to understand that it's more than just intellectual ascent. It's actually going somewhere, and it's going somewhere in God, and it should motivate us. Final verse is verse 15. It says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and of anything you think otherwise, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. I love Paul's humility. He says, Let this mind be in you. In other words, agree with me. If you're mature, agree with me. And if you don't, God will deal with you. <laughs> All right? Because it's true. This is how we need to think. This is what maturity is. This is maturity. What? Everything he was just describing. That growing in Christ is, is a pursuit. It's pursuing God and being transformed by that pursuit. So maturity is not attaining a plateau of righteousness or spiritual accomplishment. It's not going from one level and then learning the right information or skills or doing something so that you're now at this level. Oh, now I'm, I'm higher than you guys, so I must be better. Or maybe, maybe I'll even try even harder and do even more. And man, now I'm a lot higher. I'm up on this, I'm up on the stage. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, now I'm a real Christian. <laughs> you know what, this is no relevance. No relevance whatsoever <clears throat> to what maturity really is. <clears throat> maturity is the skill in the pursuit of the upward call. All right, maturity is skill in the pursuit, not a plateau. All right, maturity isn't the mastery of Christian disciplines, it's to use those disciplines, whether it be Bible study, prayer, memorization, fasting, all the different things we do, worship. Uh, it's, it's those disciplines, uh, using them to climb higher or further into the presence of God. You know, a mountain climber, <clears throat> the goal isn't just to reach the top of the mountain. Because once he did it once, he'd be done. The goal is to get, become a better mountain climber. And there's really no end to that goal, right? Just last summer, the, this one peak uh, out in California had never been climbed uh, without assistance uh, with ropes, and these two guys climbed it. And never been in, been tried for, for almost 100 years. People have been trying to climb it. And they just did it. You know what? They're not done climbing. Like now they're better at climbing, so they're looking for another mountain to climb. And so that same illustration we need to apply to our Christian walk. Maturity is, 
uh, uh, being skilled at climbing uh, and, and consistently moving upward or further in to greater intimacy and experience and relationship with the Father, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And the reason that maturity is a skill set and not a plateau is because it will take an eternity to get to know an infinite God. All right? You know, this time on earth is, is training ground. We're in the gym. But I think that the skills that we learn are skills that we will use eternally. When we're in heaven, that's not the end either. I think it's the beginning of a, an eternity living with God, getting to know Him better and better and better and better. And we can never run out of getting to know God better because He's infinite. Huh? Sounds a lot better than sitting on a cloud playing a harp. <laughs> so if you're here and you've never made that first decision to give your life to Him, to start the journey, do that, would you? It's simply believing and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the ruler. He's in charge. And you are his servant. You come under his authority. And it's believing that his death on the cross paid the price for every sin that you've ever done. And every sin of every person on planet earth. And it says, the Bible says, in believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that means that he's going to come again. That he, he's sitting in heaven now, ruling and reigning over all the universe that he's in charge, that we're in alignment. It's believing it and confessing it. If you've never done that, or if you did it, but didn't really mean it and you haven't been living it, make a recommitment today. 